Today in our review portion, we're going to be talking about The Hitman's Bodyguard and Logan Lucky. Then in our Tube Talk portion, we're going to be talking about the newest episode of Game of Thrones and The Defenders. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. I'm here with Matt. Orange is the best hay. Yeah. Hey. Got it. Yeah. I totally got that. You did. You said it. You said it. It's true. And mine was in the similar vein where I was going to say, and I'm with Joel, should just basically own all the stock of LaCroix there is Cunningham. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're very related. Yes. It's very related. Yeah, I'm 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 providing you with these LaCroix. Rarely do I see you stock. rarely do I see you without LaCroix in your hand. I have them hidden. Yes. They're all over the place. You're I like, need to have them. There's like a desire in my head that there has to be one within ten feet of me at all times now. You know people have a <laughs> have like a wine cellar and Joel yes. you have like a LaCroix <laughs> I'm cellar. aging fine bottles right. of LaCroix down there. Yeah so what I'm drinking now is a, a fine twenty sixteen yeah, there you yes. go. And probably it was at Walmart. Yeah, so they possibly. probably had them sitting there. For, they yeah. probably got a backlog of a bazillion of them. Yeah. So, well, welcome to the podcast, ladies welcome. and gentlemen. Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, as mentioned in the beginning, we're going to be talking about a couple films that Matt and I had a chance to see um, this weekend. And then we're going to be discussing some new stuff that's been happening in the television world in our Tube Talk segment, talking about Game of Thrones, right, Matt? Got. Got. And The Defenders, which is a awesome Marvel series that just premiered on Netflix. Yeah. Culmination. Yes. Culmination series. stuff. And I'm having such, it's such a difficult time when they drop these giant shows that are like eight to 10 episodes long and they're an hour episode. You have to plan. Like, you really uh, have to plan for it. Like I, I knew it was happening and I was like, all right, well, what's my free time today? Um, okay. I have an hour on my lunch break. That's mm-hmm. one episode. Yeah. Uh, I could watch half over my breaks. <laughs> scheduling um, it all out and there. And I could do another one. I go to bed, maybe yeah, two more. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. That is crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, here uh, on the podcast, we like to do things a little bit fun, a little bit different. Matt, you're more of a uh, fan of the films and the shows. You kind of enjoy the, I don't know, the emotional side of things, the world building and the 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 craziness that goes along with all that. About, yeah. you know, what hits me in the feels. It's the feels. It's the heart. Yep. Right in the heart. The gooey little center. Yep. That's what hits you. And I'm more of the uh, top of the head intellectual, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but I, I like to process and think through story and analytical. structure and analytical, yeah. uh, that kind of a guy. So yeah. we combine those two thoughts to give you what we believe is a real and honest perspective on films and televisions, the two sides of the Rotten Tomato score. For sure. So Matt, why don't you give our listeners some different ways to get connected here at the beginning? All righty. Hey, listeners, <laughs> you can get connected with us in a myriad of different ways. Do you like that vocab That's word? beautiful. It is. Myriad. Yeah. So look it up if you don't know what it means. But- uh, you can find us on our website, realreviewmedia.com. We always got stuff posted up there, some new news items as it comes out through the week. Uh, we keep that thing updated. Then we also have our social media interconnected uh, universe of sorts with uh, Instagram <laughs> and Twitter and Facebook, all at Real Review Media, facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. We keep that updated as well. Uh, we like to keep them varied a little bit so you get a little bit of different content if you're following all of them. So feel free to check that out. And then mm-hmm. um, email us, realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Let us know what's up. If there's something special you want us to review or to, to do whatever, 
you know, movie out there they really enjoy that maybe we didn't enjoy or something like that. If you want to tell Joel how <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming wasn't that bad. Um, oh, you're bringing that up now, are you? You're going to bring that back You on? can do that there. But yeah, that's how you can get Maybe we should us. start talking about some shark films. It's, uh, oh, yeah, shark films. <laughs> how amazing those are, right? Yeah, now. How, yeah, how amazingly horrid. I, however, as much as I like them, I will tell you if it's bad or not. True. I will but tell you, still, you that you still give them a pass a lot of the time. I do, so. I do, I do grade it a little bit higher because I'm like, oh, that was cool, it's a shark thing, yeah, yeah. A terrible story, whatever, but the shark. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a shark there, so yeah. All right, yeah. Well, then let's get into it. Let's dive in. All right, so uh, we're gonna start off to the shark. Yeah. What if they did? That would have been actually really cool if they did. No, never mind. I was thinking about somehow they did like a zombie White Walker shark on Game of Thrones, but I don't think anything's like that. Like that's possible. There's not probably sharks in the. The Game of World, Game of Thrones world. But what if the White Walkers, they created a blue-eyed shark? Well, I was thinking about that. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but because they they spent some time under the water in this most recent Pirates episode. of the Caribbean so had maybe, zombie sharks. Maybe they grabbed hold of a couple sharks and yeah. like munching on them, and then one turned into a zombie. I mean, could have happened. You, you know, anything know could happen in that show. I don't think they're like they don't, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> let's get into our film reviews. How about that, Matt? So uh, I'm going to start things off. Do um, it. I'm going to be talking about a film called The Hitman's Bodyguard, which premiered this weekend. Uh, this synopsis for this one is the world's top bodyguard gets a new client, a hitman who must testify at the International Court of Justice. They must put their differences aside and work together to make it to the trial on time. They being Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, who are both stars of this film, amongst a bunch of other people. Hey, um, you also have this directed by Patrick Hughes. Um, and then in addition to Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, you have Gary Oldman, Salma Hayek, uh, Elodie Young, who I have just started to recognize from another show that debuted we're going to be talking about, The Defenders. Um, and then, because I actually haven't seen season two of Daredevil, which she is Electra, correct? I yes. believe in season two of yes. Defenders. So, or, I'm sorry, of Daredevil. And then Daredevil. Uh, you have uh, another guy, Joaquim de Almeida. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it well, but he plays the the agent. Or, I'm sorry, the one of the, I forget the agency, but one of the British. Um, intelligence, MI6 intelligence or something. Kind of, yeah, like he's like one of the heads okay. of the MI6 sort of a thing. And he's kind of like the guy that plays both sides. He's the spy, the uh, not the spy. He's like the undercover guy that's pretending to be the good guy. That's actually the bad guy. It's you know the very obvious. You're the one guy who's playing the other guy who's <laughs> exactly. pretending to be another guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, going into this film, I didn't have super high expectations, and we talked about a lot of this in our coming soon segment. I think the biggest thing, the biggest causes for concern for it was the the film just from the trailer looked very, the the plot looked very like standard very formulaic, very like, okay, well, we know this is going to happen this way. Um, that actually ended up being even worse in the movie. Really? For me, yeah, <laughs> it was even more formulaic. Sounds and, exciting. And less. I was expecting there to be at least one kind of like <gasps> twist type thing yeah. that maybe, you know, they tried to keep under the cuff, but <laughs> there was nothing was like super that. Super straightforward. Super duper straightforward. Yeah. I mean, it was like you knew, I mean, every single moment, like what every scene was going to resolve like and how it was going to happen. Um, the other thing that was a bit of a cause for concern is, you know, we have a director here that's not known for a lot of other projects right now. He's done The Expendables 3, and it's okay. kind of like his other big major studio film, um, Patrick Hughes, and then the writer, Tom O'Connor, who for the most part has... No films, you know, maybe one. I think there's one other credit for him on IMDb that I can recognize. And and so, again, I, I don't want to come across as that super critical, like, well, because they've never done anything, that means that they're going to stink. But it is a, it is like, 
a bit more open to like, well, I don't know how they're going to do because it's I've never seen green. It. Exactly. It's a big question mark more yeah. than anything. Um, and I don't think that, I feel like, unfortunately, this film could have been a little bit better and more enjoyable for me if it had been in the hands of a more seasoned type director. I think somebody that understood how to put together that comedy and action right. in the same type. It really felt like there was distinct moments where it was like, okay, now I'm going to go for action. Now I'm going to go for comedy. And then there was a bit of a bleed between the two. I felt like the best part of this film, and I'm trying to talk about some positives here, um, was actually the romantic relationship. In a really? weird way. Yeah, the romantic relationship that took place between uh, Salma Hayek and Samuel Jackson in okay. the film. Um, I don't know why. There was just something. It was so Darius and uh, Sonia are the two. And although their characters in of themselves weren't anything all that special, they were just very standard. There was just a, real, a realness, like yeah, a reality yeah. to the way that they, like she really hated him, but she loved him at the same time. Right. But they both came from very obviously dark, you know, backgrounds. And so it kind of made sense. I didn't like her character in and of itself. Okay. Um, there just wasn't enough relatability to her character. There wasn't enough understandable reasons for why she was acting the way that she are, she is. And she played this like waitress girl that met Samuel Jackson earlier in his career and they fell in love with each other and got married. And she ends up being the, and I'm going to do some minor spoilers here, but okay. it's not really spoiling anything. She ends up being the reason that he got caught by MI6. Ah. Um, they used her to catch him. Um, so, but she plays this kind of really dark edged kind of, um, she's like almost a hitman herself, but she's just a waitress at this oh, really okay. seedy bar in this like back alley town sort of thing. She killing people? Um, yeah. So she kills right. a few people. <laughs> There's like a flashback scene where it shows where they met each other. Yeah. And it just didn't, it wasn't relatable. I don't know why. I mean, Salma Hayek's been in a couple action-y type scenes and films before, Um I just don't see her as like a really strong action. Right. Like she doesn't have an intensity to me to me that I look at her and I'm like, wow, she's intense. She's really scary. She's like really intimidating. She just looks like an a nice she's was shorter she, and she's, you know, was she know. in the Mariachi trilogy? Um like, yeah. uh, which was she in all of them or she was just in like Desperado? I know she's in Desperado. I don't About remember what the other one she was in. But in that Mexico? that kind of made sense because she was kind of being pulled into that world. Okay, like okay. she was hardened, but she wasn't like a killer. Okay. And she kind of got pulled into that world by, you know, Desperado and right. through the actions. I think the only other role, um, what was that Quentin Tarantino film? Um, oh, 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 oh. The one with the vampires. Um, uh, Dust of Dawn. Dust of Dawn. Yeah. It worked for me there because she's not, she wasn't playing, when she turns into the vampire, then it's like a completely different character. And so she was scary because she was a vampire that looked like Salma Hayek more right, than anything. Right, so yeah. it worked there for me. Um, but in this film, she and I'm getting way sidetracked here talking about Salma Hayek. <laughs> She's like, it's such a minor role, right, minor right, portion right. to this overall script. But your favorite part of it. Yeah. But yeah. My, my overall favorite part too was the relationship that took place between yeah. the two because it felt relatable and understandable. I think um, the acting was good too. Um, I really thought, that nobody nobody felt phoned in. Nobody felt like they were... That's good. And there was definitely, I mean, the potential there for some of this stuff to just be kind of stupid and, and silly. And I felt like all the actors did a good job with the character, although the characters are very simple and yeah. a little bit too one-dimensional, which I keep saying these days, but it's very much the case with this film. Um, the other thing that I appreciated and I really liked was they made heavy use 
of practical effects. Oh, cool. So there was definitely, you know, CG and, and fake scenes, but you could tell that almost every action scene, the majority of the action was taking place through practical effects, through yeah. a stuntman actually doing this crazy jump or, you know, a, a car actually slamming into this other car and spinning it out and, you know, running into this thing. So that felt really nice to oh, see. Um, the pacing of the action, though, was a bit bland. And I, again, the biggest critique I have for this film is that it wasn't, it really didn't feel like it was attempting anything new. Okay. It really felt like with everything, it was just trying to kind of check boxes off and say like, okay, well now we have to have a big action scene that a bunch of guys get killed. And it got really tedious and boring because of that. I got so sick of every scene, some random bad guy would just pop up and then get shot. It was like, that happened every single time (laughs) Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson are together. It, you, you know, they would just be standing there. And it's like, well, we need some action. So just some random bad guy would pop up and then one of them would cap him in the head from like, you know, 30 feet away. And it's like, really? Like, I love how you just, <laughs> just said cap him in the yeah, head. Yeah, well, it's just like, I mean, it, it, it just got ridiculous and boring and bland. Um, the relationship, and that was the other thing that was kind of disappointing to me. And we talked about this again in the coming soon. I was really hoping for a better relationship, uh, more of an antagonistic but fun, playful relationship between Ryan Reynolds' character um, Michael and Samuel Jackson's character Darius. Okay. Both of those guys are very much powerhouses in their own way. They both are very good with the one-liners. Yeah. They both can have you know Ryan Reynolds is more of the sar- sarcastic, you know, tongue-in-cheek one-liner type thing, whereas Samuel Jackson is more of the intense, angry, just tell calls it like it is. Yeah. Kind of guy. Um, and that really wasn't too much on play. I think oh, Samuel okay. Jackson was like, you know, if you put Samuel Jackson on a scale of his like Samuel Jackson-ness mm-hmm. on a scale of one to 10, he was about at like a five or a six here. And Ryle Reynolds was Ryle Reynolds was also at about like a five or six of, as far as their characterization goes. This is the perfect time to interject the Samuel L. Jackson moment where he's giving a speech in Deep Blue Sea and he dies by shark. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> that or Pulp Fiction, you know, with the gun scene in the hotel yeah. in the apartment. That's them at their like their most. That's him and his most Samuel L. Jacksonness. He was at like a like I said like a five in comparison to oh, that. Okay, hmm. and so it just it was kind of bland because um, I was wanting that because the script was so st- formulaic and so stinking. Just like I know exactly what's going to happen with everybody. I was really hoping for there to be a good chemistry between the two actors. But they came across much more as just like friends. They actually came across more as like, like they, just friends. Yeah, like just friends, <laughs> like their buddies. Like they 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 raz each other a little bit here and there, and they kind of hate some aspects to each other. But they you can tell that they like really like each other. And I, that's the weird thing about this. When I think about that, and I think also about the fact that I really thought the romance between Samuel Jackson and Selma Hayek was so good, it was almost like this director is more of like a romantic director in my mind because the use of the practical effects was good, but nothing about it stood out as being like, whoa, I'm never going to forget this crazy action scene. Like, you know, we had a huge use of practical effects in Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, And those are some of the most amazing, well-choreographed type stunts and stuff that I've seen in a very long time. Right, yeah. Um, None of these, none of the action scenes were like that. Um, There's a couple good action sequences. I think one of my favorite, which was also probably one of the more creative that I've seen done, was a fight that happens close to the end with Ryan Reynolds in a tool uh, shop where he's grabbing all these different tools and using them to fight. And that was kind of creative and fun. And then the final chase that takes place... um, over in Europe somewhere. I can't think of the name of the Amsterdam, okay. I believe. Yeah. It takes place in Amsterdam. Uh, that one was pretty cool as well. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, but it wasn't super funny either. Oh, I mean, really? Because of the, yeah, the lack okay. of good back and forth between 
the two main characters. It wasn't super funny. And then Ryan Reynolds um, has this romantic relationship with Elodie Young in the film that the girl Amelia and sort of the setup for the entire thing is that Ryan Reynolds is Darius had, um, I'm sorry, Michael had started this um, protection agency. Okay. And the very beginning, he's a super successful guy in the protection agency and he's uh, dating Amelia and then he fails a job. One ah. of the guys that he's protecting gets shot. And it's so obvious and predictable. Like the camera's frame just, you know, okay, he's going to get shot in the head. And sure enough, he does. Yeah. And then it's kind of like him trying to make it back up. You know, that causes the, he he believes that his girlfriend, Amelia, um, kind of betrayed him and turned on him and let the information slip. And so their relationship falls apart and he's trying to like work his way back up. So he's kind of like that begrudging, like, you know, I'm going to be a protector. <laughs> so he's trying right. to work his way back up, become like the elite triple A. They, they said that so many times. Really? Um, yeah. He's trying to become this elite triple A protective agency again. And um, so he's trying to do that. And then through that realizes though, that ultimately it's more about the relationship that he had with girl. It's more about um, the journey. Yeah. It's more about the journey, <laughs> the destination, you know, like, from the very beginning, because they don't tell you who shot, you know, the, the, right. the guy that he was trying to protect, you know, from the very beginning that Samuel Jackson is going to have a huge part to do with that, that, or the main bad guy. And then sure, sure enough, that was like the one minor full circle twist, but you yeah. see it coming yeah. a mile away. Um, and it doesn't really have any repercussions. Like it has some very minor repercussions as far as like the temporary moment of like them, them having discord and going different ways. But it's just, this like, well, kind of pointless. Yeah. You know what I mean? They could have just punched each other a couple times and it would have been more interesting if they had actually fought each other. Right. Um, and maybe that was part of it. I think maybe there was a too big a bit of an age discrepancy here. Okay. It wasn't that Samuel L. Jackson did a poor job with the action, but you can definitely tell he's getting older. He's kind of, I think, aged out of the action sure. fighter kind of age yeah. you know i never necessarily how saw old him. is he do you know how old he i don't is? know i would imagine at least in his 50s um but I, I don't know for sure um he's a great actor so i'm not attacking him on that and he's still got the same intensity but when you put these two guys together and you act like samuel jackson is like this super awesome amazing hitman type guy but he's like in his 50s it's kind of like okay you think of your father being a hitman but ronald reynolds is still physically you know very dominating and very very strong so yeah. They just seemed they they seemed kind of like in at different levels in regards to who they were and they were in regards to their career and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just felt like there could have been some elements that played out in the way their relationship was structured that could yeah. have been a lot more interesting. I think that Samuel Jackson could have come across as more of a father figure for Ryan Reynolds and that would have aided it and added it instead of putting them in equals. I think if there had been more of like a fatherly type role that Samuel Jackson, even though that would have been, it would have been hilarious because Samuel Jackson would be a horrible in that film, you know, a horrible father figure to have. And yeah. I think that could have been funny. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to spend too much more time talking about this. I've already talked about it for about 10, 15 minutes. Any thoughts? Guess how old Sam Jackson is. I was saying in 50s. I don't know. <laughs> you know how old he is? How old is he? He was born in 1948. Seriously? He's 69 years old. Wow. I know. Isn't okay. that crazy? Well, yeah. That's his, that, I mean, it's crazy, but it makes sense. It yeah. came across on the screen. So, I mean, think of a 69-year-old playing <laughs> playing this hitman that's like jumping across roofs and Good for getting him, these dude. car he crashes. Isn't, he, he's still like... No, he looks amazing. I didn't. I would have never thought that he was that he's old. he's still in so many movies. Too, yeah, you know? but I, I just think that if he had... if. I was fine with them being in the film, but if they had just tweaked the relationship to make it more realistic, yeah. then it would have just been, I don't know, more interesting. 
Yeah. It would have fit. It would have hit a better, you know, spot. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stood out to me. Any questions? No, I'm just curious what you want to rate this thing. So I'm giving it, I'm giving it a 71 C minus. Okay. Um, Like I said, I, I did bash on the action a little bit. It's not exciting in a sense, but it's, it's well structured. Yeah. Like nothing felt like it was poorly put together. It just is very predictable. Yeah. The acting was good. There was nothing that stood out as being ridiculously silly or uh, tonally wasn't right. where it needed to be. It really just didn't have a tone. That was yeah. more the thing. It's like, give it more thematic something to to leave a feeling with me. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. Um, I gotcha. C minus. And uh, yeah, so check the film out, I guess, for people that are maybe... I don't know. I can't even suggest this for like fans of Ryan Reynolds or fans of Samuel Jackson because it doesn't feel like they're really there fully in the film. So it's not like you can go and see them and be like, oh my gosh, this is the best film because it's them. Right. Because it really just feels like a shadow version of those. Really? Okay. Those make you, and Not there's sure. definitely still moments. I mean, they have their yeah. moments where they get closer to like their 10 level. Um, but yeah. So I got you. There you go, Matt. So. All right, why don't we uh, then get into our next film? Yeah, for sure. Matt, you're going to be talking about this one because I did not have a chance to see it, unfortunately. Yes, and I was looking forward to this guy. Uh, We're talking about Logan Lucky. Did get a chance to see it. And um, uh, the quick synopsis, two brothers attempt to pull off a heist during a NASCAR race in North Carolina. Uh, Written by uh, Rebecca Blunt, directed by Steven Soderbergh, who brought us uh, the Oceans trilogy. Um, Then also stars a number of people... um, and you have uh, Channing Tatum, you have Adam Driver, um, Sebastian Stan, you have um, uh, Family Guy, <laughs> you have uh, Farrah <laughs> McKenzie, you have uh, so many people, Katie Holmes. You have Family Guy? Family Guy. Uh, yeah, Seth MacFarlane. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I just call him Family Guy. There you go. Um, and, uh, and really, this is an interesting thing. This is Steven Soderbergh's like, return to cinema after he said he quit like five years ago. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he quit film. Like, he did the show called The Nick for a while, too. He's working on some other stuff. But, like, he quit, like, making movies for a bit. Yeah. Um, and I was really, really pumped for this movie. And just kind of overall thing, I I, I liked it. Just, like, it, I thought it was okay, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I liked it. I, there was some enjoyment to be had, but it wasn't as good as, as I was hoping it to be. It wasn't as wasn't as good as I was hoping to be. It wasn't as funny as I think it was going to be. Uh, it did have a little bit more emotional uh, depth to it yeah. than I thought I was going to have, and I did enjoy that. It's probably, I guess, if we're starting with goods, I really enjoyed that part. There's this like um, dynamic between Channing Tatum and his daughter, which I felt like they wanted to make it. He wanted to make it deeper of a story, which it wasn't all. It wasn't quite there to being like really emotionally satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot there, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, the movie as a whole, it's hard to explain, um, how I felt like I was grinning throughout the whole length of the movie. Like there's, it's just to sit there and watch Kylo Ren, (laughs) uh, Channing Tatum, who's Magic Mike. Yeah. And, um, James Bond, Daniel Craig. Right. With these just outrageous like southern accents yeah acting like idiots and yeah acting like total idiots <laughs> just that in itself was funny okay it's just watching them talk and just 
how they're like real slow to things and how it's they more say of a, things. That's more of a casting thing than an actual script strength, though. Right, exactly. And so that's why I think it like that. I enjoyed. I was smiling just watching them talk to each other. Yeah, I was like, this is kind of amusing to yeah. watch them talk to each other like this. Yeah, um, it wasn't as funny as I was hoping it to be. There was a couple times where I laughed out loud, um, and and that was really it. There was. Um, I won't get too much into spoilers, but it was very meta mm-hmm. in itself where Steven Soderbergh like references some of his other movies. Um, he, he even refers, like he even gives this nod to how this is like, he even says this is like a hillbilly heist, you know? Yeah. And there's an instance where the, they were, people reference this heist as like Ocean's 7-Eleven. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. kind of funny things like that. Oh, big gulp, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, there's the, one of the best scenes is kind of a funny scene. I won't go into details just for spoiler, but it's like a lengthy two minute conversation, um, of people arguing about game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. He told me about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty and, funny. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was pretty, pretty good in itself. It did a lot of what oceans 11 did yeah. where you're introing all these characters, the team, uh, there's stylistic choices at Steven Soderbergh. I didn't feel like it was as stylistic as like the Oceans movies were, mm-hmm. but I felt like the it w- it didn't call for it to be that stylistic because that's like Vegas. Everything's you know moving fast, all the yeah. different moving parts. You got to have the guy that's breaking it down. There's no guy breaking it down because they're they're hillbillies, you know. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, um, you know how at the end of each Oceans movie. They have some guy breaking down all the stuff that happened behind the scenes that you didn't see the first time around. Right, they do kind of like, like a, a twist. Yeah, that twist where they go back and they show you the things that you didn't see. So they, get to they see. kind of do that, but it wasn't as effective as any of the Oceans movies. Like, hmm. they, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the joke of the hillbilly thing is that these guys are inept. Right. So why I wouldn't necessarily, well, maybe. It depends upon how he does it. I could be interested in seeing how they actually accomplished it if they somehow did and they came across as completely inept. But right, well, there's a twist on that. Okay, there's a twist on on how they accomplished it, but they didn't like. They ended up like kind of. I can't. I can't say without explaining. But that's fine. Um, they. Um, I don't know. It was good. I will say this: Channing Tatum um, started off with. Uh, Step Up, right? Yeah. It was like one of his first ones. That was like the first major one I remember seeing him in. Right, right, right. So kind of dancing because he was a hit. dancer and all that stuff. And like that was kind of his thing. Right. His acting skills weren't that strong. And then he's, you know, doing like some, some action-y stuff. He did like a couple of Nicholas Sparks things. Right. He did The Vow. Yep. Um, and Dear John. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, um, Gr- he uh, kind of got into action Jump Street. Yeah, got into action So he did like G.I. Joe. He did something else. And then he got into Jump Street. Yeah. Series, so he started his comedy thing. This, this, while it was comedy, gave him. And I really like this about him. Gave him some some drop dramatic things to yeah. do, even though he was playing kind of a southern guy with his with his daughter, um, in this movie. So okay. I really, I think he's got a lot of potential to do some really really good things dramatically, as far as an acting perspective is concerned. I'm you fine can, with seeing it. I mean, he's been definitely reaching. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you saw Heath Leet. Um That was a different kind of. There was a lot of. Subtle, to, subtle, subtlety to his character. Yeah, he played one of the. It wasn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it wasn't okay. a huge part yeah, of the yeah, film, yeah. but he was in it. Um, yeah. He had played a pretty subtle character, and I right. thought he did an effective job with it. I didn't think it was great in that film. Mm-hmm. It he, there's still a Channing Tatumness to him mm-hmm. that sometimes overpowers what I. There's like a like a broness to him at times yeah. that I think does overpower 
It's not. The it's drama not. Or it's the not seen the... in this movie. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to try and check it out then yeah. because I would be interested to see that. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, yeah, that that's the best example I could I could give. Yeah. No, and that's 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 totally fine. I, well, he I, also did Hail Caesar, right? I, I Which, did not like Hail Caesar, but he was good in that. Yeah. He, uh, my favorite. I didn't was, like it either, but he he did a great dance. Alden job. Ehrenreich was the standout for me in that movie. But uh, as far as what's that wrestling one he did? Crud. The one where uh, about the Olympic wrestler and oh, with uh, and... Steve Carell. Yes, um, he was great in that. He was actually really, really, really good in that. I can't remember what it's called right now, but I don't it's remember be... either. I'm Steve Carell, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, keep yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, let me dive into the um, some of the negatives as far as what I thought. Um, again, uh, a lot of like we were talking about the the strengths of the film and what I, well, I guess I should say what I liked about the film weren't in the script part of it. It was more about what I enjoyed about the characters just kind of riffing with each other in these like crazy accents and basically being, Fox you know, Hillbase. Yeah. Fox catcher. That's right. Um, and so that also in turn plays into the weakness of the script because a lot of times I was just kind of grinning and um, I went with a friend and a lot of people were laughing and, at times I was like, why is why are people laughing at that? I don't get why people are laughing at that right now. Yeah. Maybe I'm just not getting it and I don't know. And I felt like people thought it was funnier because Yeah. Do you say would you say that you have a distinct humor style? Probably. Probably. And that's the thing too, is I feel like humor is really hard uh to be universal a lot mm. of times. Cause yeah. you have a lot of humor like this. Then you have like slapstick humor. Then you have uh, child, you know, bathroom joke humor. Then you have like crude humor that you see in a lot of like Judd Apatow movies and stuff like that. And yeah. See, that's I. I've never been a huge fan of the Judd Apatow humor. Right. Because it's more of a improv style back and forth. And right. there was kind of a season where I liked it, but for me, when I see those types of movies now, I'm like, eh. yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe this is more of your meh type. Humor. Well, no, I. I don't know. I liked, like I said, I was grinning, but I like kind of where they're going. I just didn't have a lot of those bust out loud. I thought I was going to have more of those. And I think the problem with this movie is not the movie itself. And, and I think it was just a hype. Yeah. I think I got way caught up in the hype and I tend to do that as the emotional one. <laughs> you do. If, if people are, if people you are, put this at a nine excitement. I did believe. I really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Soon. I did. Yeah. And so the <laughs> hype was super real and I totally got caught up in that whirlwind. I remember I was, I, I felt, the hype with the mummy too. And I yeah. totally got burned on that one, but, um, <laughs> everybody got burned. I on know. Mummy. So <laughs> I, I, I totally got caught up in, in my own hype. I got caught up in everybody else's hype Yeah, and I didn't go in there. I think as, as uh, objective as I needed to. It's all right. I forget. So you, I, I feel, I, I know feel this like, about you and I accept it. Right. So I feel <laughs> like a part of this is my fault. <laughs> yeah. Part of my Maybe. letdown is my fault. Um, I thought it was a good movie. I just thought it, didn't think it was great. Um, I can't even think of a lot of bad parts. I just wish I would have maybe hit a little bit more emotionally since they were trying to combine this like comedy, the emotional side of it. I didn't feel like the the wrap up at the end where they're uh, some summarizing what really went hap- what happened behind the scenes. I didn't feel like that was as very effective. Yeah. Um, I, and I just didn't think it was as funny as 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 again as I was hoping it to be. It, you may have. Everybody listening, you may have loved it. I just, I got caught up in my own whirlwind of hype. Yeah, I mean, when you check out for this film, The Rotten Tomatoes, most of the critics that watch it are liking it. You know, yeah, you 93%, exactly. which that just says that they like it. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's a good film. Right, it's an average Overall, of it's an average of yeah. who thinks it's good or bad. Right. But the average rating for this is about a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Like 78 for viewers. So I think what you're saying is pretty normal. Right, my, my rating for this, I would actually give an 82. 
Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not that's not bad. I mean, no, it's, no, it's no. a good score, and and good, I good think compared to a lot of films we've seen this summer. Right. Exactly. So, um, I just. <laughs> Darn it! I get caught up in my emotions, <laughs> and I can't, I can't contain the hype. Sometimes I gotta go into every movie, and be like, "This is gonna be awful." You know who I actually do kind of wish had taken this film on is the Coen Brothers. Oh yeah, because I feel like there would have been that maybe a little extra something that you were maybe wanting from this. Maybe um, they're good with those types of these types of films with the uh, like the the whole assemblage of random people from a bunch of different types of yeah genres, um, strong characterization good humor and quirky situations. I, I feel like they could have probably knocked this one out of the park. Could have cleansed the palate from Hail Caesar too because I was really disappointed <laughs> by that movie. Yeah, I was too. So, but, yeah, okay. Just a thought. Cool. Maybe yeah. they'll do a maybe they'll do a sequel. Logan Luckier. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Steven <laughs> Soderbergh could do what yeah. he wants. Apparently he did a lot of the funding for this film by himself. Oh, did he? Yeah. I was kidding too, by the way. The Coen brothers don't do sequels. Right, so right, right, right. They're not a sequel group. But uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Well, yeah. I'm glad... I, I think he's got a distinct enough voice that I'm interested to see him making a couple more films and kind of yeah. see what he does next. And from what you're saying, I'll probably try and check it out when it comes out on, you know, some sort of streaming service and yeah. give my thoughts. It's on worth it. checking out. I think it is. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, then we are going to go ahead and wrap things up on the review portion of the podcast. Yep. Sound good, Matt? Wrap it up with a bow. There it is. Tied. See bam. You. There you go. Joe Bam. So we're going to move into our tube talk where we're going to be talking about the brand new episode of Game of Thrones that just came out. And then we're going to be talking about the Defenders. Defenders. So, yeah. So stay tuned. All right. Welcome back. This is our tube talk segment. And as I mentioned just before the break, we're going to be talking about two shows on the podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about... Game of Thrones, the newest episode. So penultimate episode. Penultimate, which is very sad. It's getting crazy and awesome. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about the Defenders. Or yes. I say Marvel's Marvel's Defenders. Defenders. Marvel's yeah. The Defenders. Right, which I had a chance to watch most of. I'm through five episodes out of eight, correct? I finished it. And you finished it. Yep. yep. So, I don't know. We'll do what we can to not spoil. <laughs> Maybe. No, we're going to spoil couple. it. Well, I mean the last couple episodes oh, okay. for me. Okay, well, yeah. hey, um, do well, what we can. you know. Time management. I want to know what happens. <laughs> I don't want you to spoil it. All right. But first of all, let's get started with Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because this was a crazy episode. Oh, it's really crazy. Which Game of Thrones is kind of known for. Their second to last episodes are usually amongst the more crazy in television That's history. That's when Battle of the Bastards started. Battle of the Bastards, the Red penalty. Wedding. Right. I mean, you've got uh, the battle between... I can't think of all the different stuff. But was a battle of a black uh, Ned Stark's death? I mean, you've got no. Bazillion, that was the finale, wasn't it? I believe that was. The, oh, that was a yeah, penultimate. The penultimate. Right. Yeah, they've just kind of always been like shockers, and so I think out of all the shockers of shockers in this episode was definitely the dragon. Oh yeah. I mean, we don't want to start with the biggest like, thing, but it that was, was like John Wick's puppy all over again. Yeah, I mean, first of all, so it was a bit. It was like a two part shocker because. Yeah. I kind of assumed that one of the dragons would probably die at some point. There just were too many good things about the dragons for them to kind of be unscathed or un- unhurt. Um, and I even said that to a couple people because there's a totally a bazillion different fan theories out there right now of like, oh, well, Tyrion's going to ride a dragon and John's going to ride a dragon. And I was like, no, let's just see how many yeah, dragons right. survive this season and then we'll see who gets to end up well, riding a dragon. technically a lot of people got to ride this dragon at the end. Right, but they mean like like, <laughs> like, the, solo. like the solo rider. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I believe Jon Snow's going to get one, but as far as the third one, I was actually questioning whether or not 
three were going to survive the season. Right. And so we did have an amazing, crazy scene with one of the leaders of the White Walker, like the captain. The Night King. Yeah, the Night King does like the most epic Olympic style javelin Javelin, toss and pretty much blows up the whole side of the dragon. Right, that was um, so crazy. Which was so insane. I mean, it kind of in a way makes you wonder though, like why you just didn't do that earlier with a couple of the other? Like why didn't you just do that with Jon Snow and throw a javelin at they must have like island, known. You know, they must have been like, we got to save these for the dragons. I'm assuming. I mean, there's 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 things that can obviously break down. Like my whole thing was, why didn't they just take the dragons up there to begin with? Right. You know, because they could have literally just flown the dragon up there. One of them could have been on the back, hopped off, grabbed one of the walkers, thrown them on like a couple of them, thrown them on the back of the dragon, like right, they did, right. flown off. Like that was my idea earlier, and she ends up flying up there anyway. But obviously, they need you know suspense and yeah. crazy things happening. And so I will say this: beyond the dragon. Um, there wasn't any like too much crazy death. We had the death of uh, what's his face, um, the 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 top knot guy. Yeah, so he died, which wasn't super shocking and surprising. Well, he died by the crazy White Walker polar bear, which was freaky. Those were amazing, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, what did you think of the? I well, thought, okay, by the way, so the end of the twist with the dragon right. is that they kill him, but then they bring him back. Yeah, they drag him out of the lake, and yeah. then the White Walker, Night King, is like, is like, you will be my ice dragon, or whatever. He doesn't say that, but he like touches it and brings it back to life, ice yeah. dragon style. So he's like a cold ice dragon now. Which there's so many different things that could happen. Is he going to breathe like ice? Is he going to breathe- I'm assuming so. That would be crazy. I mean, that's kind of what I would think, or maybe it'll be blue flame. I don't know. I, you know, yeah, I don't know I don't either, know, like- what are I mean, the rules it, it here? It sets them up as their, <laughs> what are the rules when you bring a dragon back to life? I feel like they will kind of be at odds now yeah. very much. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I, yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, but what thoughts, ideas, concepts from the, the episode? Anything? No, I I liked it. Um, yeah. Here, And it's funny. It's funny. I'm actually saying I liked the episode. This is the, like... Wow, one of like this is like the first full episode I've seen of this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything else I've just read synopsis and and discuss and like read backstories and all, all the episodes. Yeah, just because I didn't have enough time to catch up. But this one I actually watched it. Yeah, and man, I'm really glad I did. Um, apparently, one thing that a lot of people are griping about is how uh, Game of Thrones has has sped up its uh, like time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't mind any of it. No. I felt like I got enough. Like those you know, are some of the least interesting moments of the film when they're just on a boat talking to each other. Right, exactly. So I or I didn't mind caravan. it. So like, in this one, they're ooh. they're trapped on that like the ice center yeah. thing where a bunch of White Walkers and wh- whites is that what they yeah, call them? Yeah, they 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 um they uh, fell into the the ice lake or whatever. Yeah, and um and then they were basically there, and I got the passage of time. They were there overnight, mm-hmm. and. We don't know how long the passage of a time took at the beginning where they're like walking and talking to each other. Yeah. Which I really loved um, Tormund, uh, by the way, during that. He had some like, he was funny. He was funny during that part. And he was also um, kind of uh, unintentionally wise, as I call it. He's actually, I feel like the one who inspired John to quote unquote, metaphorically, figuratively bend the knee to Daenerys. Yeah. Um, and I, Tormund is one of my favorites. Yeah, he's I mean, great. And I was actually really concerned about him dying. Me too. But also a big part of the concern was I really want to see him 
and Bree to get Bree to get together. <laughs> he Brienne, goes, sorry, Brienne, not Bree. One really of the best lines is like, he's like, I'm gonna make giant babies <laughs> know, with her. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and it's just so great because the hound is like, you can tell he just really doesn't like her after yeah, their battle. Know, and so he's funny. just like, you're a crazy man. And he's like, yeah, I never said I'm not. You know, I'm going to make giant babies with her. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, that 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 just that whole relationship which has happened sort of organically yeah. per the producers and he, saying how that happened. He talks as if she's like there waiting for him to get back when they really have like she like kind of doesn't, doesn't like him I don't right think now. she understands what's going on because I don't <laughs> think she's ever had a guy like that interested in yeah. her in that way so I don't know I just think that's beautiful and I, I was really sad I was like I don't want him to die yet I yeah. want them to get together so when he when he was in peril I was pretty upset yeah I was pretty much everybody else except the big ones that I obviously don't want to die are John uh, Tormund and then um, the Hound at this point because yeah. I feel like both all three of them kind of have something left that they they can do yeah. and have accomplished but pretty much everybody else to me at that point was kind of yeah. expendable I, I mean not that i'm like yay they died but it's like you know well, they kind of like how do you how do you, i feel like we might have a twist coming up here with the aria sansa stuff like i feel yeah. like it's not everything that it, we're seeing i feel like there's something else happening yeah like that aria is downplaying something or pretending to do something or sansa's pretending to do something because i I'm big on like people that I feel like should be on the same team. Yeah. When they're against each other, like Arya and Sansa are seeming like they are right now. Yeah. I, um, I, it bothers me, but I kind of feel like there's some twist that that's going to happen from this. Well, I've, I've kind of constantly thought that Littlefinger is probably not going to survive. Right. I really feel like he's going to get it at some point. And I think Arya could be, here's the thing. They've mishandled Arya's story arcs in the past. I think they've, they've, had her make stupid decisions about different things, especially when she was getting the training and everything. I'm concerned that they're just kind of having stuff happen between Sansa and Arya right now because they want to keep them both relevant to the story and they're stretching it out. And so they're making things just kind of appear where there really shouldn't be. Right. That's the pessimistic side of me. The I think Arya... optimistic side of yeah. me in regards to their story is that Maybe Arya is aware that Littlefinger is using this as a means to sort of manipulate her. She's grown. She's become a stronger person. And so she's kind of playing into it on purpose to to accomplish something. Yeah. To, to have something take place so that way she can eventually maybe kill Littlefinger. I think she's going to be the one to kill Littlefinger, actually. Yeah, I think so, too. I yeah. mean, at this point, that's kind of what it's seeming like. Her list has kind of gotten on the back burner yeah. um, of people he's to just, kill. He's manipulated one too many people. <laughs> right. I, I, I think he's going to die. My yeah. assumption was that maybe it would be Littlefinger. It could also be Sansa. I mean, she hasn't directly killed anybody up to this point. Yeah. So I could also see her being, I mean, in a way that would be pretty epic for Sansa to kill Littlefinger because... I don't think a lot of people would see that coming. Well, yeah, um, and she she was mad at him for basically leaving her with Ramsay. Right. You know? I mean, he so, set all that up and not it's not his fault, but he definitely played a big hand in Ned right. dying. So, I mean, I I, I don't know. With He's that, not a good guy. He's yeah. going to die. I'm just wondering how it's going to happen. Well, I think it's going to be Arya because he it's the blade that that Littlefinger gave Bran. Right, but Arya gave the blade back to Sansa in the most recent episode. Well, I, I know, but I thought that was just kind of like a gesture. I didn't know that was like. I think she's her, got it now. Giving it to her, right? I think she's okay. got it now, and my feeling is like maybe she's gonna make use of right, it right. to okay, do something. Okay, I got you. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot of potential there for a lot of things to happen with that story. Again, my my hope is my optimistic view is that they're doing something with that, and they're not just trying to create drama for drama's sake, right? To just keep those characters relevant to the story. Um, I did really like the back and forth with Sansa and Arya because it's kind of like they've they've fixed some things, but you're seeing that 
it's not like everything's just repaired and right. completely just everything's okay. They're just great now. They're sisters. It's like, no, they build, They both have issues from the past connected to their relationship, but also individual problems that arose. And I felt bad for Sansa, obviously, who's opening up about some of the stuff that, so horrible things that happened to her, yeah. but she doesn't even know anything that Arya's been through. I mean, yeah. Arya's been stabbed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, times. I feel like Arya, um, if everything is as they're portraying it, on this last episode, I feel yeah. like she's not giving Sansa the benefit of her doubt. And I feel like she should be able to tell if she's telling the well, truth. Well, and that's why I'm saying, like, maybe Arya is aware and she's right. doing this on purpose. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm that's, hoping. That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. it's, 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 there's more than what meets the eye in this. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hoping. That's what I'm wishing for. My favorite part between them was actually before she blames Sansa when she's talking about how she would like pick up the bow that that mm-hmm. Bran left or whatever yeah. and was like practicing and then Ned was you know clapping for her and yeah. stuff like that. I really thought that was nice. I was like, "Oh, I yeah. miss Ned." So, <laughs> as far as I agree, yeah. He he was a great character. Um I one of the things I didn't like about this episode, I wasn't a big fan of the interactions that Tyrion had with Daenerys. I really felt like it was in very poor taste for him and very stupid of him to approach her talking about who's going to take over after she passes that didn't really make a lot of sense to me because that's been that hasn't been an issue that's been brought up anywhere else in the show the biggest issue they've had which he started that conversation with and i was like oh i get where you're going was the idea of her anger leading her down really dangerous paths Mm -hmm. and i was like totally on board with that but then when he turned it into well who's going to be your heir I was like, where is this being motivated from? Where is this coming my thought, from? My thought with, was with that, and I agree, I didn't, I mean, he, sure, he can think the long game or whatever, you know, the ultimate, you know, he's planning yeah, whatever. Yeah, the whole wheel metaphor kind of broke my, down. I was like, what? My thought behind that was just like, you're doing these potentially reckless things that you're your temper can get the best of you sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, you could potentially die. Who's going to take over? Right. So that was my thought on it. But um, he really went, I, there's no reason to discuss heirs. Right. I mean, maybe no, the, not, yeah. maybe the point of it was to set up something between Danny and John, because that was obviously, a, <laughs> there's something there. I mean, right. people have been like, well, they're related a bit. It's like Targaryens, you know, yeah. there was definitely something in that moment of, longingly looking at each other and the hand holding and the right. the way that she kind of like paused like should I go or should I kiss you like there was only something happening there she's like wait I'm getting some like family vibes are we related I, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, yeah I mean they're definitely they're playing that one a little slow which I'm fine with both of them come from some pretty troubled pasts and right. her in particular particular in regards to her you know loves and being you know sold yeah. into a marriage and everything she's got a lot of hurt there and a lot of baggage and I think it's been nice to kind of see that in this episode she opened up about them. Yeah. John had to like, in a way, not just bend the knee, but also make a sacrifice. Right. Show that he was willing to like give of himself for her to see him as a potential person. Right. You know, beyond just like the physical attraction, you're really seeing a uh, just a relationship form mm-hmm. between the two of them. Yeah. Which I'm glad. It wasn't yeah. just like they saw each other, they thought they were hot and hooked up. And that's kind of how it's been in the yeah. past with Danny with a lot of the other yeah, suitors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So... I'm liking that, but again, I didn't really like Tyrion in this episode. I felt like he was completely just, like, where are you coming sure. from, bro? I don't, I don't get it. Um, so let's talk about it as well. Was there anything in the actual episode you want to talk about? No, that's anything? it for the episode. Okay. I would give it a nine. Okay. Um, but my my yeah, I wanted to talk about like kind of what's to come a little bit. Right. I yeah. give it an, about a nine as well. I think okay. nine nine point two. Yeah. So there's talks. This is kind of a rumor that's going around right now that the next season might actually not premiere now until 2019 because they haven't released an official um, 
premiere date right for it so typically in uh, as far as what i know is that game of thrones has always aired in like april right uh this year was different um right which they started is interesting. later they started later uh and so it was started in july yep and um and what they're talking about now i know that right now they're going into pre-production for season eight mm-hmm. um or season seven b whatever you want to call it um but season eight <laughs> And it's only six episodes instead of the current ep- the current season that we're in is seven. Right. And I'm thinking what they're going to do is they're going to divide this coming season stop, into six more stop. seasons. Stop. No, it's one episode. Per season. So we need the production time. I it's think, not money at all. I think what they're going to do. I do like that they're shorter in the sense of where I feel like they can use more of their money effectively. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, I think, um, I think this show is going to start closer to the fall of 2018. Yeah. I think that's what they're going to go for and they're just going to wrap it up at the end of the year. I don't I don't It's a weird time to release the show. Right. I mean it, it's a it's a non it's like a premier cable program yeah. or it's not program uh channel. Yeah. Not everybody has HBO, but it's one of the most watched shows in history. So right. it's becoming I think more and more slowly it's moving more and more towards a streaming service as well. Yeah. I mean cuz everybody wants HBO Go. I know. Um so it's hard to say when they might target a premiere because I feel like they might they might target it doing it in a time where they know they're going to get the best viewership, but everybody and their brother, nobody's right. Nobody's going to get off board, you yeah. know, like their, their, their viewer numbers have not shrunken right. <laughs> since this season started. And it's going to be one of the most epic probably conclusions to any show yeah, for sure. in the history of television, at least a- in our every, lifetimes. I feel like it's ramping know? up. There's this game. It's just, there's like, it seems like this season is ramping up to just more. I mean, cause we're getting a lot of dragons and yeah. anytime you have dragons in the scope of armies and, all these things coming together, this the, it's just really just this crazy like epic feel, and they're doing a really good job of harnessing that. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it could only really go up from here. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to get introduced to a bunch of new characters. It's in in fact, the no, season has been be whittling them. people down. We've yeah. lost you know all the Tyrells. Now it's a matter of who's going to live to the end. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's just uh, Dorne is falling. I mean, like right. people are fa- you know, kingdoms are falling. Yeah. And it's it's really kind of honing in. I like that about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see what's what's going to happen. This the teaser for the next week's episode looks crazy tense. Yeah, looks like John and Cersei are going to be chatting. <laughs> right. So I really think what uh, my opinion on it is where they're going is there's going to be because I was wondering how they were going to handle the two big battles that are kind of been brewing since the beginning of the show, which is the battle for the throne mm-hmm. and then the battle with the White Walkers. I really think what's going to end up happening is there's going to be. A hybrid. I think mm-hmm. Cersei and Danny are probably going to end up working together. I could be wrong, but to battle the White Walkers, and then Cersei's going behind. Back. Cersei's going to go behind her back yep. during that to try and like the moment it looks like they're going to win, kill off Danny. I'm going to make this call right now officially. I told you about this earlier, but I really think it's going to be sweet because um, George R. R. Martin's theory about Targaryens not being fireproof <laughs> is. Uh, I don't know about this. This seems a stretch. Yeah, it's it might be a, a stretch, but guess what. Uh, this is he only said it after the first time uh, Daenerys survived fire. He didn't say it after the second time because he said it's not probably not going to happen again. This is where the show t- started taking liberties. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is Cersei's going to be her like manipulative, like terrible self. Yeah, and she's going to you know help defeat the White Walkers and then simultaneously try and take out a bunch of people with dragon fire because that yeah. seems to be like her mo now. She's like dragon fire, dragon fire. Right. And so she's going to do that. And then Jon Snow is going to be in the middle of it. And then she's like, I killed him. And then he comes walking out. I'm Targaryen. He's like, I'm fireproof. And then kills her <laughs> or something like that. Not this next episode, but I think that'll happen in the next season. 
Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I think see. I'll, gonna... I will bet zero money on it, but I'll bet yeah. uh, something. Maybe a LaCroix. There you go. Yes. Bet a LaCroix. I will it. not drink a LaCroix, give me, if I'm wrong. Oh, dear. That's going to be, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty high, you know, you're putting high a lot stakes, out there. High man. stakes, yeah. yeah. I think, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. There's so many like theories that. out there. I, I'm taking it like kind of one step at a time. I really think that's going to be, obviously, that's a couple steps removed, but I really think that's going to be the direction they take it in, in my opinion. Um, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, we we didn't have anything with Sam this episode, but he's close to, it looks like, with what he's researching, everything close to figuring out maybe a way that John is a Targaryen. So that could be a thing. We'll see, um, yeah. <laughs> and then additionally, I think the big thing he's going to figure out potentially in the end of this episode coming up is uh, how to finally defeat the White Walkers for good, like yeah. how to officially do it, which the point was like, why don't you just destroy them? You know, the, the, the King, Night King yeah. the Night King, and, and that would resolve everything, which is true. Right. All the, all the followers would die. And then we saw that in that yeah. episode. So maybe episode that's, too. maybe that's what they need to do, but maybe that doesn't like defeat them for good. I don't know. So cool. cool. So we're going to go ahead and move on then yeah. to our talk about Marvel's The Defenders. The Defenders. And cool. so Matt, yeah. do you have this up? Do you want to give a synopsis yeah, totally. real quick? It's not like you need Guys, to. guess what? <laughs> Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist team up to fight crime in New York City. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the culmination of the small screen um, MCU. Yep. Um, it takes place in the theatrical MCU because they they uh, reference uh, the the event or the whatever they call it. They call it something in in the in the small screen. They call the alien invasion something. Oh, it's like the incident. And they call it the incident. That's what it yes, is. Yes, the incident. So um, the so you got all these shows that have been leading up over the last I don't know three or four years since yep. Daredevil season one came out and. Um, and it, it, I actually enjoyed it. I, I liked it. I was, I was hesitant going into it because I liked Luke Cage. I felt like it faltered towards the end, and I thought Iron Fist started off okay and then just got worse. <laughs> um, but I really like this, and a lot of the strengths come from um, one my favorites, uh, Daredevil, Matt Murdock, yep. and Jessica Jones. Um, and overall, I thought it was really good. And I told you this earlier, if I had to rank all the series as a whole, I would go Daredevil 1, Daredevil 2, and then I'd put the Defenders third. Um, and then Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and then Iron Fist. Uh, being my last favorite one. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I really, really liked about this was just seeing everybody together. Yep. There's something about it that was really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, season, or not season three, episode three is my favorite of the whole first season. Um, not to say the other ones were bad, uh, but I thought it was my favorite. It's where they first, you know, do that team up. And it's not one thing that they do on like Netflix shows, especially when they release all of the episodes at once is they tend to show a lot of the series and some of the cooler stuff you don't see until like the end of the season. Yeah. This one, like, you know, you have that like hallway fight that you see in the trailer. You see them all like in the elevator together with Daredevil with that Jessica Jones scarf on his face. Right. And, and like, I'm like, that'll probably happen towards the end of the season. That happens in episode three. Right. I was like, awesome. Yeah. It was a really, really cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, after I saw that, I was like, this is great. Okay. It took a minute to get there, but I really liked it. Um, Iron Fist is still kind of his uh, whiny childish self. Not as bad though. Actually, right. I, I found him kind of when it, like when I first started watching Iron Fist, I found him endearing in mm-hmm. a couple of ways because of his childlikeness. Yeah. He did have that again, but towards the end, he did kind of get a little whiny. 
uh, one of my favorite parts. Well, it's because they want to capture him and they keep so, trying to get him. Matt. Exactly. So Colleen, yeah, um, she's in the show. Uh, she makes this remark towards the end of the season. He says, "Oh, Danny's basically just a kid, still <laughs> trying to find his parents." Yeah, like in that sort of thing. I'm like, "Thank you." And he goes, and and Claire is talking to Colleen. And Claire's like, "Um, but uh, but you know, he's the immortal Iron Fist." And he and Colleen kind of jokingly, but like truthfully, says, "Yeah, believe it." And he will tell it like an annoying way. Yeah, he'll tell it to everybody that that wants to know. Well, he always it's funny because like whenever he tells people, he always goes, "Well, you know." I'm the immortal. Like artist. everybody should know it. Yeah, well, and he gets real like somber and like I'm serious. Like he, because yeah. he, and then he's like, and I, I had to pass it really hard. He's, a, <laughs> he's extremely <laughs> idealistic though. So like he'll take this like this is my purpose, this is my calling, this is what I'm supposed to do, and like he's like, this is the only truth I know. So he yeah. says it, you know. Yeah. And I, I get his character like that, and it's just sometimes where I'm like, stop, stop I, it. Yeah, just calm I kind of wish they played off that a bit more. I think in the show that I mean he could be the annoying kind of. Yeah, side character in a way. Yeah, that's the the rich boy that allows everything to take place. Yeah. You know, like he provides what they need, but he's he's kind of around. Yeah, because he's as far as the superpowers go. To me, between all three of them, I mean, Daredevil doesn't really have superpowers per se. He's just have, has heightened perception and they're kind really of good like fighting. abnormally heightened, right? But he's just kind of like no, absolutely like yeah, abnormally yeah, yeah. heightened, but like. His power is the weakest in my in a way. I mean, you could just literally shoot the guy and die. As Iron Fist says, blind ninja. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Daredevil's like he's just got the perception. So like, if somebody's going to shoot him, he's going he's going to hear the person cocking right. their gun. Whereas Danny, you could literally just walk up to him and shoot him in the head and he dies. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Luke Cage has got a lot of strength and is bulletproof. Jessica Jones is super strength and yeah. stuff, and she's got an attitude, which yeah. is kind of her thing. Um, but I think just out of all the characters, he's like the least interesting to me in a way i do like that in this series so far because i've only seen the first five episodes he's definitely used his power a lot more and been a lot more effective as a fighter i put that on our site i said i said guys good news something like you get more iron fist using his iron fist in the first three episodes of the defenders than the whole first season of iron fist that's kind of my point is like the other characters are like always using their power they're in a constant state of using their power whereas right. with him it's like he's just doing kung fu yeah and then eventually he'll like build up the the chutzpah to like right, use right. his chi yeah, yeah and he yeah. comes up with these excuses like well it's really draining and it's really hard so he's and gotta like, eat a lot of food and stuff. right <laughs> and it's just like i get it but it's a bit lame it's like you're yeah. basically just a kung fu fighter that every once in a while gets a really strong fist yeah and i'm sorry but it's like if i saw a person with a glowing fist i would not get close to them i would right. i would throw something or run away yeah. i'm not gonna like assume that this guy with the glowing fist is going to do good things with that glowing fist. Right. So what you the know? defenders did right in this one, I think is they made it to where I don't feel like you really have to see the iron fist show yeah. to, to go with the whole backstory. A lot of this is based around the Kunlun legend in the iron fist. Right. And so you get a lot of that again. Agreed. And as somebody that has only seen parts of every single show, I haven't completed any of the shows. Okay. Um, that was a concern for me. And yeah. not only that, but they were going to spoil different elements. And there's definitely been some spoilers, but I don't feel lost. Right. I don't feel like I'm, maybe for a moment, but then I'm like, oh, okay, they've got that because they'll always talk about it in a very natural way. Right. And I think it just makes sense. I think one of the things that I've also really liked about the show, um, I put it similarly, just as far as what I have seen yeah. to where you ranked it. Um, one, the, va- the the action is much better than mm-hmm. especially Iron Fist. Yeah. It feels like they spent some time doing yeah. the choreography, figuring how the fights were going to go. Um, the camera's a little too shaky at times for they me. They did that when it was dark, I felt like, a lot. Like yeah. They, 
there's definitely times where it's like I just want to see them yeah. fighting and it, it goes to more of like the jump cuts and the shaky cam and that's a little bit too much for me so I wish they would kind of they would have kind of toned that down a little bit but I have liked the Corey a lot better and I think it's been a lot more just in comparison to the parts that I've seen of the shows uh, violent and gruesome I mean you've I got a like scene it, with a bear getting right. his guts pulled out you've right. got a guy chopping off his hand a girl taking a bath in blood yeah. I mean <laughs> a guy gets his head chopped off right. I mean there's definitely a lot more visceral violence and yeah. gore which in a way works in a way is a little bit at times a little bit like cheesy and fake to me because right. it's like the show is more tongue in cheek it's more it's not a super deep dark right. show so when they get super violent with it I'm a little bit like Bleh. right um, I think uh, one of my biggest problems with this is um, in episode seven, it slows way down, like right, right before, right before the, the last episode. And, yeah. and it's unnecessarily like. Right. Because I just finished five and they just had amped everything up with the big battle in the right. restaurant. And so I was like, oh, nice. They're getting into the big yeah. chunk of everything now. The first, actually, I really like the first uh, five. Five is a little slower at times, but. Or four. One of the ones where they're in the restaurant just talking a lot. I thought I was kind of slow, but um, I liked all the episodes. Set, episode seven was just like the one that was kind of a struggle to get through. Yeah. You know, a bear to get through, pun intended. <laughs> um, but one, my favorite part about this show, about this one, is is Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones in this was, I feel like, the best. Yeah. She said she's so sarcastic, so cynical, and she's such... She's such an alcoholic. <laughs> it just plays through like on, on all of her like little witty dialogue and, yeah. and like one liners she pulls up and she's just picking on people yeah. and and it's it's really, really funny. She doesn't want to be there for most of the time. Right. She's like, I don't wanna be a part of this <laughs> thing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, um I just really, really enjoyed her and her right. just I was just laughing. Just I agree. With her. It's I great. think out of all of them. Uh, her Jessica Jones played by Christina Ritter or Kristen Ritter, sorry, yeah. and uh, Charlie Cox Daredevil. Yeah. I felt like they're the both the most relatable and interesting as far as the actual superheroes go. Yeah, everybody else was good in a way, but I think one of the main problems I've had with the hand from yeah. what I've seen of him in the show is that they're just such an ethereal yeah antagonist that yeah. they're just like this bad organization that exists to be bad and yeah. try and get accomplish bad things. So I'm liking that they're fleshing out a little bit of the hand story and kind of you're finding out why they're doing some of the bad things that they're doing. But at the same time, they haven't really come across as like a visceral threat. And I still feel like they're a little bit just like, well, okay. So Gourney Weaver, as great as an actress as she is, and she does a great job acting in this, her character is just a little bland to me in this film, a little flat personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I thought um, she was really good. But, but I feel that's kind of the same with all of the hand people. Sure. I don't really feel like there's one standout character. Electra has a little bit more depth. You know, she's the black sky girl now. Yeah. She's got a little bit more depth because of her history and her past. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. But it's I don't know. I just need I need a bit more connected a connection. You either need to be super evil for just being evil sake, yeah. or I need to get a bit more connection to right. them. So, yeah, you know? and that's another thing to say. I felt like a typical Marvel uh, season for any other show is like 13 episodes long. I feel like it's too long for Marvel. I think yeah. 10 is a sweet spot. I almost felt like eight, eight episodes was good in some yeah. respect, but in others it could have benefited from an, another episode yeah. uh, or two. Um, and... 
the the other thing that bothered me was the auxiliary or the secondary characters, mainly Karen Page and Foggy Nelson. Oh, so frustrating. <laughs> I like them and yeah. da- the Daredevil, yep. but this was just them there, like feeling like they had to intervene for. for it was like he a, had a intervention for like a an a, a addiction or right. something, and that's that because I haven't seen season two of Daredevil, right. so I was assuming they were okay. Actually. Uh, Foggy gets burned by Matt pretty bad in the okay. second season of Daredevil, and he leaves like. Right, I'm the... assuming it's because of Electra and everything. Right, that's going so it on was there. Nelson and Murdoch, and then uh, Nelson leaves because Matt's pushing him away because of right. the whole Electra thing. And, right, and I, I get that, but he was just unnecessarily like they don't understand yeah. that he's like saving the city. They're like, you need to stop. Well, and that I agree. I because I, I didn't I hadn't seen season two, right. so I didn't want to make any judgment on it. But it really feels like it's more like this guy that has an alcohol problem, and they're trying to prevent him from getting back I'm into like, drinking but alcohol. This is not an alcohol problem. <laughs> right. This is him saving lives. <laughs> right. Problem. And like, I, well, that is. I was thinking that maybe because of the events in the last season, that like he had gone overboard and started like killing people and all these crazy things. No. Well, that see, yeah, then it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, why he got, so, he, got like, care- he like. He burned them by like kind of basically burning their friendship, yeah. um, but um, he didn't do anything crazy like that. And, and I got annoyed with Matt Murdock in Daredevil season two. Yeah. Um, but uh, I felt like he was a lot better in this. Yeah. And he's basically he got to a point where he embraces, "Hey, I'm the yeah. Daredevil guy." It's like, yeah. Karen's like, Karen's like, "Hey, you were just getting your life back," and this bothered me so much. You're, they're always like, "Hey, you're just getting your life back," and and then Matt's like, "This is my life." Yeah. I'm like. Thank you. So this Leave is alone. this is this is related because it's a side character, Stick, the character Stick. Yeah. I'm guessing he's got he's been in Daredevil. He's a lot. in Daredevil he's, one and two. Right. He's blind, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I that's first what, I couldn't that's tell. Who taught Matt. He taught Matt. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds stupid. Maybe I'm just weird about this, but it I couldn't tell if he was just like drunk, like he played like a drunky kind of character, <laughs> or he was blind because he's just kind of like whatever. Did you see the drunk yeah. fight in uh, Iron Fist? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He fights good. the drunk guy. I was like, what? Is, there you go. That's yeah. the most bizarre thing. Yeah. No. Um, the best part about Stick was the scene, not only the scene where he just chops his hand cool. off, so I like, like whatever about it, but then additionally when he first meets up with the defenders yeah. and he's got the sword and he just like puts it on his back and it yeah. just goes somewhere. I was right, like, right, right, where right. the heck did that thing go? Did yeah. he just slide it through his butt? Like, I didn't know. He, yeah. just, he just, um, and then he's, he's the one like who he decapitates that dude too. Yeah. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah he just whatever. like chops. I thought he just cut his neck, but then his head rolled off. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. So overall, overall, I give it a eight. Eight. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. The whole season. I probably yeah. I might even go a little higher, okay. like eight point two. Yeah. Eight point three. But I, uh, definitely B in the B I would, range because I would give Daredevil seasons one and two closer than nine, uh, or nine and a half to nine respectively. Yeah. And to, maybe an, yeah, maybe an eight. I'm wondering and a half. if I need to catch up on those now <laughs> because Defenders is kind of like caught everything up yeah so the punisher is coming out right um that should be coming out this fall i believe yep no no this fall this winter i don't remember when it comes out anyway um i'm actually really excited that the punisher was my favorite part of daredevil season two gotcha um so i'm really pumped about that i think it should be cool he's a huge i mean popular character definitely a lot of fans excited to see the punisher yeah sorry come back for his own show I watched the movie. I wasn't super impressed by the Which movie. Which one? The, the first Chain one? one? Sorry. Yeah, not the second one. The first one. Well, there was one with uh, Dolph Lundgren way back in the day. Yeah. Like the 80s. Not that one. The one that came out. Thomas Jane and Travolta. Yeah, with Travolta. I kind of like that. Really? I think, that, I, I think it's a guilty pleasure, though. I, I saw gotcha. that with my dad. And we, we thought Sorry, it was Sorry, I saw the cool second time. one, not the first one. I thought they came out with one after. Yeah, they did. It oh, was did uh, okay. with Ray Stevens. Uh, the Punisher of Warzone. Right. And I heard that was pretty good, but I didn't see it. No? I, it just got... Um, I think it just got honest trailered and it was oh, pretty did bad. It? Yeah. Okay. Did it get razzied at all? 
I don't it know. That bad. It was either honest trailer because or because I feel like the first Punisher got razzied. Maybe it was just so ridiculous. That was the big thing about right, it. Right, I mean, right, there was right. so many ridiculous things too. But anyway, but I so I would just say I'm I'm skeptical of the Punisher as a character. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to them hopefully doing something. I think they've already proper, done him justice. I think I think justice. John Bernthal's Punisher that you see in Daredevil season two is right, but the, I haven't seen it. So that's right. But I think I'm just saying I think he is the the um. What what do you call it? the the example? I think he's the one that every other Punisher the iteration. Epitome. He's the yeah, heights of Punisher. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's it. He's awesome. Cool. He's super awesome. So well, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, then we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here on the podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, you can definitely get connected to us in a number of different ways. Probably one of the best is on our Facebook, which is facebook.com/slash Real Review Media. Definitely a good place to check in with us. Totes. Add us a like. Give us a like. Add us a like. Uh, you can also <laughs> follow us on the Instagram or the gram, as I'm calling it, and Twitter. Uh, we are both at Real Review Media. What's an Instagram? I, I want, want one. one. Ooh, yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it's an online media thing. Yes. That's what it is, Matt. Okay. Yep. Uh, you can get connected <laughs> to our website, which is realreviewmedia.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We're also posting a lot of fun stuff there. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We've talked about a lot of things today. So we would love to hear your thoughts, your opinions, your perspectives, maybe your sadness over the morning of uh, Valerian, of the, uh, not Valerian, of what's his face, the dragon? <laughs> Valerian, uh, Viserion? Viserion, yeah. yeah. Valerian is the steel. Valerian. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the movie Mysterion. Valerian no. in the city of a thousand <laughs> planets. <Just> taking, <laughs> taking his way back, going old school, Matt. No, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and perspectives on anything we've talked about today. So go ahead, drop us an email, which is realreviewmedia at gmail.com. And uh, that's it. So Matt, anything else? No, that's it. All right. Well, it's been real. It's been real.